0: Hi, my friends. It has been a hot minute since I have recorded a podcast. Um, I guess it probably hasn't seemed that long for you, but it's been about a month and a half, um, but a lot's happened in my life. Um, I got engaged in October and planning a wedding for February. Um, so it's a wild time, but I'm glad to be sitting down here and um, yeah, I'm excited because today I I was, you know, thinking, praying about what to record and, um, you know, with the holidays coming up and, um, yeah, just like Thanksgiving, um, this idea of like living lives of praise and Thanksgiving has been on my heart a lot. Um, and I realized that like, I've, never really shared my full story here on the podcast. Um, I used to share a lot when I ran my own ministry for a couple of years, um, beautiful depths. Um, we had a blog a podcast, um, and that's actually what I met where I met Nathan through. Um, but in the past like year or so, um, since I've started a job at a parish here in Jacksonville, Florida, I've been a lot less present online. Um, I've just felt God kind of pulling me off that realm, um, and into like real life in person ministry. Um, so I've been off Instagram for about six months now. And, um, so with that, I just like always want to be intentional about when I share about my life. Um, cause I think there's a sacredness to it. And I think a lot of times people just share, share, share without thinking about why, Um, and knowing myself, I can be very prone to pride and vanity. Um, so I only want to share publicly about my life. If I can somehow, um, be a vessel, you know, and help others in their faith journey. Um, and also just like showcase the glory of God in my own life, because friends, the truth is like, I am absolutely nothing (laughs) like everything cool or good or like. I don't know. Something you like about me is like God in me, not me. Um, so everything I am and have is his and his alone. So I just want to say that. Um, yeah, because as I share my story on here with you today, um, and as we enter into the holidays and Thanksgiving, um, I just wanted to, to make it clear that like I exist for the praise of his glory, um, and my life should be a continual life of praise and thanksgiving back to him. Um yeah. And yeah, and with with that, I think a big part of my story which you'll see is um one of surrender to divine providence. Um and I think it's just very fitting um with Thanksgiving and, and the holidays and Christmas, um all these things when you're with family and um just reflecting on the good things in your life. Um yeah. Cuz I don't know, lately I've And the reason why I've been thinking about this is because, um, as I prepare for marriage, right. Uh, for my earthly marriage with my fiance, Jack, I, um, have been reflecting a lot on what marriage is meant to be a sign of, right. Which is the marriage feast of heaven, um, and how we are all called as the bride of Christ. Um, we are the church, the bride of Christ. We're called to marry Jesus, our divine bridegroom in heaven. Right. Um, so if we reflect on our lives here um, and open ourselves up to him in prayer, we'll actually see that through everything, he's just trying to like woo us to him, to romance us in a sense. And I know for you dudes out there, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But like, no, like you are in a like we're all the bride of Christ. We're all called to marry Jesus. So, in a sense, like the Lord is pursuing us at every moment. We are his lovers, you know? Um, and in every moment, in every circumstance. He's trying to win us back to him, but we must have the eyes and the open heart to see it, um, and be receptive to it. Right. We're called, like I've been saying to live lives of continual praise and thanksgiving to the father, um, to be like a true living sacrifice and become one with Christ through this sacrifice. Um, so with all that, I guess, I hope that the way that as I share the way that like God has worked in my life, um, You can see the way he is working in yours and pursuing you and loving you, um, and that you may be open to receive him, um, and draw you deeper into his sacred heart. Um, yeah, but first I, um, and always close in prayer, but I would like to open us in prayer today, um, as well, just so, um, everything I, I say is from him and not me. Uh, in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you um, so much for the gifts of of our lives, um, but especially the gift of this platform, this podcast. Um, for Nathan inviting me to to share on this podcast for all the listeners, um, we ask that um, you may bless my words and inspire me to speak only what is from you and only that, which will praise you and not, um, not myself <laughs> help the listeners to receive what you desire them to receive. Um, but to forget what, what, um, yeah, isn't applicable to them. So we ask this all through the intercession of our blessed mother, Mary and St. Joseph and the whole Holy family. Amen. Um, yeah. So my story, who am I? Um, (laughs) as you know, I mean, I've shared in previous episodes a little bit here and there, but, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to first say like, I grew up, I think with, with two main dreams. Um, you know, I'm a big dreamer goal setter. Um, one was very obvious and the one was another was more, um, just like always on my heart. And I think the first one was like, I always knew I wanted to be a professional tennis player from the age of 11. Like that was my dream. And that was the, the dream that I was always very vocal about. Um, but the second, like deeper, um, just kind of like silent dream that like, sure. When you're a little girl, you dream of is like, I always wanted to get married and have a family, you know? Um, and throughout my, I, I just wanted to open with that. Cause you'll see in my story, how at times I clung to both of these dreams, um, but it was only in surrendering them and be a, being okay without them that I was truly able to live in the freedom that the father desired for me, um, and be loved by the father. Um, and obviously I'm still working, I'm still a work in progress, but I'm um, just sharing where I've been along the way. Um, So, yeah, just to back things up, I grew up in a big Catholic family. I'm the sixth child um, of seven kids. So, I have five older brothers and a little sister. Um, And actually, I should say I am one of nine um, because I have two siblings in heaven as well. Um, But, yeah, five boys, two girls. My parents taught us the faith um, and we lived it. You know, we prayed together daily as a family. My mom would. Often take us to daily mass. We'd pray a rosary at night, read scripture, and honestly, like, would talk about anything at the d- dinner table from sports to what we're doing with our friends this weekend to like literally contraception and abortion and why we need to speak, yeah, like, just different things my brothers would encounter in school. So, like, literally nothing was off topic, which was great. Um, but so, I was just kind of like bored into the truth. Um, so I never really questioned it because Catholicism always made sense to me. Um, but with that, like, I definitely took it for granted, um, that I grew up in a Catholic bubble of sorts. Right. Um, so I went to Catholic grade school until eighth grade. Um, and then it was in eighth grade that I actually begged my parents to be homeschooled. Um, cause as I said earlier, when I was 11 years old, I think I saw someone playing at Wimbledon on TV and was like, I want to do that. That looks cool. Um, and being an ambitious 11 year old with very goal oriented personality, I was like, okay, I might be a pro tennis player. And like, that was it. Um, so yeah, so I decided at 11, I was going to play pro. Um, so from then on, like that was my focus, um, that gave purpose to my days, get up, you know, everything revolved around practice. Um, but with that, like with my family, faith and sports were always intertwined. So all six of my other siblings played competitive basketball. So it was just competition just ran in our blood. Right. Um, and, but my parents always made sure to remind us that with athletics and sports, like they were a way to glorify God. Um, not (laughs) they're not, um, they're not God. Right. Like he is always first and foremost. So, um, he, they always encourage me, you know, like if you ever start playing for any other reason than to glorify God, like you need to stop. Um, so like in my head, God was always first, you know, I never miss mass, even if I had to miss a tennis match to get there. Right. Um, but I think it's funny how, um, where you spend most of your time and attention, that's where your heart is. Uh, cause, Yeah. Tennis just slowly consumes my identity. Um, you know, throughout, throughout high school, when I was homeschooled, I was traveling a couple weeks a month to tournaments. I was practicing for, you know, four hours a day, you know, training off court, um, just pursuing my dream. And so, yeah, it just slowly, slowly consumes you. Right. And when I was a junior in college or senior, I signed to play tennis at the University of Florida in Gainesville, um, which is only about an hour and a half from my house. Um, But I signed there specifically because they had one of the best tennis programs in the nation and could help develop me into hopefully a great professional player. Right. So, um, yeah. So, and at this time, like I said, I would tell you that my faith was the most important thing to me and that God was first in I truly did believe that. Um, but the reality was like, I lived very selfishly in pursuit of my dreams and I often sought validation through my accomplishments on the tennis court, you know, um, like I'd be miserable if I lost, but like, like on cloud nine, if I won, um, right. It just wasn't proportionate. I wasn't living out. Um, I wasn't rooting myself in my identity as daughter of the Lord. Um, but rather, you know, hotshot tennis player. Right. Um, and I wanted to control the outcome of things. Um, and, you know, in college at Florida, I was, I was blessed, um, by what most people would say was a decorated collegiate career. Um, you know, my freshman year, I achieved a singles ranking as high as three in the country, um, throughout my four years and, I got to the semis of NCAs as an individual competitor. Um, I won a national championship with my team, my junior year, um, and several sec championships. So like from the outside perspective, people would be like, Oh my gosh, wow. Like, you know, all this, um, and I had a wonderful college experience, so I don't want to downplay that. Um, so I'm so very grateful and have some of the best memories of college, um, but I think it's funny, like, cause in those big moments, um, no matter what the accomplishment was, it never felt good enough to me. And I always wanted more. Um, I tell a story of like, after we won our national championship, like most people are super excited, but I remember I was like, I was super excited, but I felt like, like I had lost my individual match. So like, while we won a national championship, I felt like, like a failure. Like I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't contribute to the victory. Right. And yeah, just like all these things, um, I always wanted more. It was never enough for me. Um, so from that side of things, like as pursuing my dream, um, things seemed to be going pretty well throughout college. Like I was, I was doing well. I mean, there were dips and of course, but for the most part, I I knew that I was going to pursue professional tennis after graduation. Um, but in a parallel kind of um story, I um in college also began. Um I was in a serious relationship for a while. I started dating a guy my sophomore year um through my senior year. He was a good Catholic man, and you know, I thought for sure we'd get married. Um, we seemed like the perfect match, right? Or <laughs> so I thought. <laughs> um, and while I didn't necessarily have a timeline in my head, I had this um, idea. Like, you know, I figured we'd get married, you know, a year or two after college. So, um, yeah, just with that, like things to be, things seem to be going according to plan, right? Like I always had this dream to get married and start a family and I was dating a real good Catholic man. I always wanted to play professional tennis. Um, and you know, tennis seemed to be going well. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so that was, kind of where my heart was, um, you know, senior year of college. Um, and I should also note that like at Florida, w- when I was in college, um, that's also when I started to make prayer more, more personal. Right. Um, cause growing up in a big Catholic family, I always say like, when you grow up in the faith, go to Catholic school, you know, right from wrong, like intellectually, you know, the 10 commandments, you know what you should or shouldn't do, but it's very easy to get in a check the box mentality and just be like, yeah, I'm going to do, do this, this and this, and then I'll go to heaven. Right. Like there's no relationship there though. Um, and I'll, I always say like the faith needs to translate, um, or transition from the head to the heart, um, in order for it to mean anything. Right. And that was very much where I was of, um, you know, kind of a perfectionist wanting to follow the rules and like check all the boxes, because then I'll go to heaven and heaven is my goal. Right. Um, being very goal oriented. (laughs) Um, but I wasn't truly getting to know Christ or allowing him to know me. You know, I would see my mother, um, going to daily mass every day and hungering to receive Jesus. And I was like, I should feel that way, but I don't like, why don't I? And I, I realized that like, Hmm, like maybe there's something there i need to work at this um so in college i started to spend more time in personal prayer i got involved in our catholic campus ministry um, at uf called catholic gators um was involved in focus if you guys are familiar with focus like bible studies um and it was there that i truly began growing in my relationship with christ spending intentional time with him journaling more all of that right So when I graduated from college in 2018, um, I had this foundation of prayer. Um, I, yeah, had this foundation of prayer, um, as I, you know, decided that I was going to pursue my professional tennis career. Um, but first I want to back up a couple months to, to, um, senior year of college because, um, you know, I told you that things seemed to be going really well. Like I was dating a great guy, like to having, you know, tennis was going great. Um, but it was my senior year that the Lord really started to, um, you know, turn things on its head. Right. I felt good, like knowing things were going according to plan. Um, but with that, like, I never really had any reason to trust radically because, yeah, like I had things in control, right? Like I had, I had things look like they were going according to plan. Um, but God really threw me into a loop when my, um, college boyfriend broke up with me about a month and a half before graduation. Um, and thankfully, like at this point I was, I was praying daily and, you know, talking to the Lord and, um, things weren't great. A couple months before. So I had started praying earlier that year, like surrendering it and asking the Lord, like Lord, if this is your will, like have this relationship, have peace and continue, but if not have him break up with me. So when he broke up with me, I had extreme sorrow, but a lot of peace knowing that like I had laid it in the Lord's hands. Right. Um, so that part of my, that dream of mine was like, okay, like kind of like a sucker punch to the gut. Like, oh, like I had this desire. I don't know. You know, I thought this was the guy, but okay, Lord, I surrender it. Um, and so when I graduated in May of that year of 2018, I, um, you know, set out to play professional tennis. I wasn't tied down to anything, wasn't dating anybody. Um, but just, I don't know, like deep down, I had this, um, interior, um, like wrestling, um, with myself between my dreams, because I knew that like, while I love tennis and enjoyed playing it, I knew very well, the lifestyle of a professional athlete, um, the constant travel, the you're not home very much. Um, I had been playing pro tournaments since I was 14, even though I played as an amateur, I knew the lifestyle. Um, and I knew that like, that lifestyle wasn't super conducive to family life, to my desire to get married and have a family. Right. Um, but with that, I was like, well, God, like, I don't know what else to do. Like, this is what I've always wanted to do. I got a degree in public relations, but like, I, I don't know what you want from me. So like, I'm going to pursue professional tennis. Um, but I give you permission to reroute me if it's not your will. So setting out, I gave him that freedom to redirect my paths. Um, and it's funny how, like when you pray like bold prayers like that, he delivers. Um, yeah. Cause it was only about like six months into playing professionally, um, that, I felt called to stop. Um, and it was funny cause I was, I was playing tournaments in Greece at the time for about a month and I was playing super well, having a lot of fun. Um, you know, living the dream I was in at a resort in Greece. Um, it's like what could be better than this? Um, but I just, I don't know. I would come back to my hotel room at night and just have this sinking feeling in my heart. Like, is this all there is to professional tennis? Um, and I don't know, just growing up in my family with the strong conviction of the truth of the Catholic faith, I just felt called to do more with it. Um, I didn't know what that meant, but I was like, God, I, like, I need you to show me. Um, so I came home from Greece and um, I, I opened a door for God and said, you know, I'm just going to start applying to jobs at Catholic at Catholic institutions. And if you want me to walk away from tennis, God, like you're going to have to drop a job in my lap because like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so again, there's a trend of like just praying for like God to make his will known. And, um, funny how he does that. Um, he delivers pretty well. Cause a couple months later, I, um, I had been applying to some jobs, but like just doing it for practice, like in interviewing, whatever. Um, like it wasn't super interesting. Cause I was like, I don't know what to do other than tennis. Um, but a job from the university in Notre Dame in Indiana just kind of fell into my lap. Um, I remember them calling me, offering me the job. I hung up the phone and just started crying because I was like, God, I don't want to move to South Bend, Indiana. Um, here's a Florida girl, right? Like, um, moving to Indiana in February with like, I didn't even own a winter coat y'all. Like it was, yeah, it was funny. Um, shout out to my roommates in, in South Bend who um helped me survive, but <laughs> no, but in that moment, like I had a choice to either stubbornly pursue my dream of professional tennis, because it's always, it's what I always wanted. What I what I've always known and it's what was comfortable to me. Um, and I also ultimately hadn't given it a full shot. Like you have to give it three or four years of hardcore grinding on the low level circuit of professional tennis to see if you can even make it like, um, to the top, the top tournaments. Right. Um, so I knew that like, I'd be letting go, not just of my dream, but like of any potential, like I hadn't even reached my peak, you know? Um, and that was really hard, but I knew the lack of peace that I felt like wasn't just going to go away. Even if I kept pursuing tennis, you know? Um, so I decided to take a leap of faith, move to Indiana where I knew no one, um, you know, and be completely uncomfortable and learn to trust completely in the Lord. Um, yeah. And I always describe, describe my time in Indiana as, the hardest year of my life, but the most grace filled, um, because God really just like completely stripped me of everything, right? Like he took my dreams away from me. Um, first he started stripping me when my boyfriend broke up with me senior year of college. Right. So that dream of marriage and family, I was lonely wanting someone, but like, didn't have that. And I, my heart just like longed for that. Right. Um, and and then I also didn't have tennis like he stripped me of that dream. Um, he I didn't have peace, so I let it go. Um, I also didn't have the comfort of family around. I didn't have the familiarity of Florida. I went from, you know, hotshot tennis player, you know, that's what I was known by, to normal girl at a desk job, like at a in a writing position, you know. Um, so it was just very jarring, right? Um, but I say it was the most grace filled because. God truly brought me into the desert with him. Christ brought me into the desert, um, to learn, to rely on him and him alone. Um, and it's so beautiful that he brought me, um, to Notre Dame where there's so many beautiful opportunities for mass and adoration. And they have the beautiful, um, grotto to our lady of Lords there, um, that I could go and just like truly make his heart, my home. Um, you know, I remember just spending time, you know, starting to go to daily mass, spending time with him and adoration, praying a lot, going to the Corrado, just like pouring my soul out to him, all of my desires, hopes and dreams, um, and letting him be enough for me. Right. Um, I knew pretty quickly that the job that I was at in at Notre Dame was not something I was interested in long-term, but I didn't, I didn't know what else to do, um, after tennis. So, um, you know, working at Notre Dame gave me the time and space to discern and to ask the Lord to show me where he wanted me to go, um, from here. And, um, it was, you know, nine months into working there, I was home, um, for Christmas. It was December, 2019. And, um, I was planning on kind of moving on from that job after like a year, just cause I knew, I knew pretty early, ah, this isn't my thing, but like okay, where do I transition to? Um, and I just felt being pulled back into ministry, like more direct ministry. I, you know, was running beautiful depths, my online ministry. I was volunteering with RCAA on Notre Dame's campus. I was helping with youth ministry a little bit. So I was putting myself out there and I noticed that like, I just loved being able to talk about Jesus and share him with others. Um, so it was, it was funny because when I, um, was home over, over Christmas time, I went to mass at Holy family Catholic church here in Jacksonville, which is not my home parish. Um, but it yeah, it's a it's a it's a great parish and it's about 20 minutes for me the only reason I went there was because I was meeting someone for coffee over that way so it was v- very random or I thought it was random god had it planned but <laughs> so I'm sitting there um before mass and you know I I was just kind of sharing my heart with the lord like lord like again kind of that same prayer of when I moved on from tennis I'm like Lord, I want to move on from, from Notre Dame, but like, I don't know where I can move anywhere in the country, but like, I don't know where it will be. Um, And I kind of was thinking, I was like, you know, it would, and you know, just hypotheticals, like if I could work anywhere, you know, here in Jacksonville, move back near family, where would it be? And I thought for a second, I was like, it'd be pretty great to work at Holy family. Um, you know, the pastor was a good family friend and it's a great, it's a vibrant parish. I was like, this would be great. And I kind of easily dismissed the thought and was like, well, you know, there's no job openings here. Cause I'm going to let it go. Um, and also like while I was praying, I, um, the readings of that day or something were, were very much about like drawing you out of the desert. Um, and I recognized that like I was in a desert with Jesus at this time, like, um, Like I, yeah, like all of my desires, like I made them known to him, but, um, he was, he had really stripped me of everything and I got comfortable with him in the desert. You know, um, I had tried to date people, nothing worked out. Like I wasn't in a career that I really loved. I was just like, yeah, I had great friends and stuff in my life, but I don't know. I just, the things I wanted of this world were not coming to fruition, fruition, um, But I remember sitting in at Holy family before that mass that day and, um, just kind of telling Jesus like, Lord, like, even if you never give me anything I want in this life, like that's okay. You are enough for me. Yeah. I I just, I just remember saying, or like saying those words from my heart to him, um, and, I had asked myself that question, you know, a year prior or two years before when, after I went through my breakup, like is, is, um, you know, the Lord enough for me. And I realized that like, as much as I wanted to say, yes, he, he wasn't, I wanted, I wanted that guy or I wanted this career. I wanted this or that, but it was funny because after bringing me into the desert with him and being comfortable in that desert with him, it was only there that I was able to be like. You know what, Jesus? Yeah, I'm good. Even if you never give me anything I want here, like I'm good because I know I'm made for heaven, not earth, and that you promise me eternal joy with you. Like you are my end, right? And um, but it was funny because I felt Jesus say to my heart in that moment, like, Yeah, but I want to pull you out of the desert. I want to pull you out of the desert. And I was like, Oh, that's nice, Jesus. Yeah, but like that's that's not gonna happen, you know. Um And, uh, yeah, so I hear something. Hold on. My watch was buzzing. Um, sorry for that interruption, but, um, but I was saying, yeah. So like, I felt him say, he wants me to pull to pull me out of the desert, but I was just like, oh yeah, but Lord, like I, I didn't actually believe he would, you know, um, I was just like, yeah, I'm fine, but I'm fine with the desert. I had gotten comfortable there, you know? Um, and I laugh about it because I kind of look back at that moment as like a critical moment of surrender. Right. It was that moment that I just, um, it was, I mean, it was building. It wasn't like at that moment was the first time I ever said those words, but I think at that moment, um, was the first time I truly like meant them and was, was truly like fulfilled by the Lord and allowed him to be enough for me. Um, and so, yeah. Fast forward to 30 minutes later, after that mass, I walk out and I'm catching up with the pastor. He's a, like I said, a family friend shout out to father David. Um, and I was like, yeah, father David, you know, pray for me. I would love to get a job in ministry, but I don't know where, like I can move anywhere. And he's like, well, you want to come work here? And I was like, I laughed in his face because I had literally just been praying about that before mass. Right. And was like, Holy family would be great, but they don't have a job. Um, and I was like, you're kidding. Right. He goes, no, actually we're looking to make a change in may. And I was like, what Jesus, like, what are you doing? Um, so long story short, father David offered me a job at Holy family, the parish that I literally had dreamt of in like prayer that day. Um, and yeah. And <laughs> It's just it's just so funny because again you look at patterns in in my life and in my story and um, it's just so evident that when I ask the Lord to to show up to make His will known and impatient with that He delivers. Um, so you know March of twenty twenty when COVID hit, I came back to Florida, started working for Holy Family um, of August of last year, twenty twenty. Um, so here it is, like the Lord stripped me of so many things, brought me into the desert with Him, right. But um, then He slowly started bringing me out, right? He gave me a job at a parish doing ministry, something I love so much more than what I was doing. Uh, He brought me back near family, back to Florida, Um, and probably the biggest gift uh, that he's giving me is January of this year of 2021. He brought my soon-to-be husband, Jack, into my life um, in a, a very providential way again, um, I think I'm going to bring him on the podcast at some point so we could share that story. Cause that's a whole other, other story. Um, but it's just been so beautiful to see how in surrendering and releasing of our desires and dreams, how, um, God brings them to fulfillment in the way that he desires, you know, um, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a professional tennis player. Like I always dreamed I dreamt I would be right. Um, but he's given me a job, um, being able to share him daily with, with people that, that he longs to love and that he longs for them to receive his love. I get to be his hands and feet. Right. I get to be near my family in the sunshine state where I flourish. Right. And, um, lastly like i i get to live out the vocation of marriage with um a man that truly pursues me as he does as christ does um and be that sign of the marriage feast of heaven um and i and i don't say all these things sometimes i get cautious sharing, you know, all the good things that the Lord has done in my life, because I never want to be like, like this girl just got everything she wanted and like, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not that easy because in, in surrendering, um, my dreams and desires in the Lord and getting comfortable with the desert. Um, now I've had to learn how to receive the gifts and order them rightly. Right um, like we can't cling to things of this world. Um, we can't take any of it to heaven. You know, um, there's the Bible verse. You can't love God and man or mammon, you know, you can't love God and things of this world, but I think it's important to recognize that everything that God made is good. And so the things of this world are good but only when we, we must view them in light of God. So we must see God through them. Um, so now it's just a beautiful adventure and journey of learning to receive the things that God is giving me and offer them back to him in praise and thanksgiving. Everything exists for his glory. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's the, um, that's the pretty much the gist of, of my story, how I got here. Um, and just how the Lord is making himself known to me and pursuing my heart in ways that he knows I will feel loved and cared for. Right. And the thing is y'all like he's doing that in your heart too. It's just, you maybe you need to open your eyes to see it more. Um, so I just wanted to, um, to end with, with a couple, couple takeaways, um, from, from my story that, that stand out that hopefully you can apply to your own life. Um, and first, like, I just want to encourage y'all to pray and like, I know you hear that a lot, but really pray. And when I say pray, I mean, bear your heart to the Lord, be completely naked in front of him, open your heart completely to the father, show him your, your, your deepest fears, your deepest desires, your wounds, all of it, just like lay your crap out there for him, you know, um, ask him, like ask him to show you what he wants for you and to open your eyes, to see it. Um, You guys, like he doesn't want to hide his will from you. He wants to make it known to you, to love you, to radically pursue you and be received by you. You just have to open. Um, So that'd be my first thing, just open up to him. Um, Secondly, recognizing the attachments that we have here in this world. Like what things in the world do you cling to? Um, Like if God stripped you of everything, would you be okay with him and him alone? And like answer that honestly. And if the answer is no, why not? Why aren't you okay with him and him alone? What do you want And recognizing those things that you want? Then you bring those to prayer. You know, you, you ask the Lord, like, Lord release me of my attachment to this thing. So even if it's a good thing, even if it's like, like I said, like if it's a desire for marriage or uh, desire for career or, um, what whatever yours may be, I'm just naming mine. Um, but give them to Jesus and ask him to to allow you to order them rightly, to desire him more than everything, and not fear, um, fear him, right? We can't enter heaven holding on to things of this world, so it's better to let go of them now and order them rightly those desires rightly um to see God through them, to allow the things of this world to elevate us to heaven. So um yeah, first pray. Second, um, what things do you cling to? Um, the third takeaway I have is um it's kind of similar, but you have to let Christ and Christ alone fill you up and be enough for you first, um, unless you'll constantly be clinging to the gifts he's giving you. Um, You know, you'll seek fulfillment in them instead of him, right? Um, Something my fiance and I remind each other often of is that we won't fulfill each other. Um, We can't love each other perfectly, but we can point to the one who can fulfill us. We can bring each other to the altar. We can bring each other to the sacrifice of the mass every day and say, receive him he is your, your, your ultimate bridegroom. Right. Um, so let the Lord fill up your cup to pursue your heart as his beloved. Um, and lastly, just in time for for the holidays is thank God for every moment you have, a ch- like every moment you have a chance to throughout the day. Um, actually that alarm that <laughs> you just heard go off in the background a couple of minutes ago, I have just a Garmin watch and I set alarms throughout the day. Um, and I call them my Jesus alarms because I make them go off because, you know, you get distracted during the workday, this and that. And I needed a practical way to like remind myself to invite Jesus in and like, thank him. So whenever the alarms go off, I try to stop and just like say a quick prayer of like Jesus, like, Thank you, like thank him for whatever I'm going through, whether I'm having a really rough day or a really joyful day or whatever's in front of me, just thanking him for it and allowing like enter into this this moment with me, Um, and like we should do that throughout our whole day, like whether it's a joy or sorrow, thank him. hashtag Thank you Jesus, um, <laughs> because every opportunity is a chance to be a living sacrifice, to put yourself on the same altar with Christ at the Mass and on Calvary um, yeah, in that, in that vein, it was funny. Um, this idea of being a living sacrifice has just recently been on my, my heart a lot, but, um, it changed the way I view the mass because my fiance a couple weeks ago explained how the Jews right before, before Christ used to offer their very best of what they had as a sacrifice. So they'd offer their very best lamb, or that's why Abraham was going to offer his son, Isaac, right before the Lord stopped him. Um, so I think today you often think sacrifice, you think of taking away, right. It's often seen as a negative thing, but, um, the Jews offered their very best to God. Why? Because they wanted to praise and thank him. Right. So sacrifice is praise and thanksgiving. Um, so we want to give our very best to God. Then we're called to live lives of praise and thanksgiving. So when we participate in the mass, the sacrifice of the mass, the Eucharist as Catholics, we believe the Eucharist is the body, bread, soul, and divinity of Christ, right? It's the same sacrifice as Calvary. So when the gifts of bread and wine are being brought up right before, before the consecration, when they become Jesus's body and blood, when they're just gifts of bread and wine, that's when we can send our offerings up too. So like every mass at the offertory, send up your loved ones, your job, your joys, your sufferings, your pains, send your entire self up to that altar, lay it down and be a living sacrifice, a laid down lover for your bridegroom, Jesus. Um, like that, my friends is how we truly live a life of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Um, He is so good and generous and is pursuing your heart in every moment. Um, I know there's seasons where they're dry. You don't know where he is. You're in the desert with him. Um, but that's okay. Stay there and seek him. He will console you and he will bring you to, to the marriage feast with him. If we're, if we're faithful, if we go to him, receive the sacraments, he would, he's true to his promises. Um, so yeah, so those are my takeaways. Pray what things of the world do you cling to? Let Christ fill you up. Um, and lastly, thank the Lord for all the good, um, that he has done. Um, and to close, I have just two, um, little passages that I wanted to read, um, that, have been really beautiful in my prayer life. Um, the first one is actually by a saint named St. Jane. I I don't know how you say her last name De Chantelle. She must be French. Um, but she was a wife and a mother. Um, and I read this in the Magnificat a couple, a couple months ago. Um, and it's just so beautiful. So I want to read it to you. She says, um, she, this is on just following God's providence in your life. So she says to rise above self, this is what must be done above all feelings, all opinions, and dislikes, so that we gaze upon God and bind ourselves to him by a simple assent, We must march on as if blind, following his providence with confidence, even in the midst of temptation, feeling of abandonment, fears, every sort of trouble. Look to God, do this and nothing more. Remain in him in peace of mind and utter trust, completely given over to his care. Let me assure you that he is sheltering you in his arms. So even though you feel nothing of this, remain content with your discontent to hold oneself in patience when suffering is already a high state of prayer. So do not force yourself to conscious acts to gaze upon God while suffering with gentleness and submission is quite enough. That just gave me a lot of peace, um, knowing that just, he's just calling us to remain in him, to give ourselves completely to him into, I love the line, remain content with your discontent. We're not going to be completely fulfilled here, no matter if the Lord gives us our dreams of this life or not, but that's because our longings, um, that ache in our hearts for more is meant to increase our longing for him, for Jesus, our divine bridegroom to increase our our longing for heaven in the eternal marriage banquet. Um, yeah. And with that, um, another good scripture passage to meditate on is Matthew six, 25 to 35. Um, it says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body, more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they can any of you worry by worrying at a single hour to your life? And it goes on and on, but that that's a beautiful passage to meditate on. If you struggle with just trusting the Lord um, and his plans or surrendering them, um, Matthew 6, 25, but, um, yeah friends, just I just want you to be encouraged and to to know that no matter where you are um, in your life, if it's going to according to plan, if it's not um, that we're not in control of anything, we are nothing, um, but we are we are everything to the Lord. Um, and so we are called to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, to be laid down lovers on that altar and to live lives of praise and thanksgiving. Um, yeah. So, I just want to end in a glory be in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. I hope you have a blessed holidays with your family and your friends. Um, and I'll see you next month, guys. All right. Bye.